This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Alice in Wonderland. Yes. And this episode is a long time coming. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I think in the summer of 2020, we were like, mm-hmm. oh man, it's been a long time since we've done a uh, a reading on the mm-hmm. show and talked about a uh, work of fiction in that way that has to do with food. And we were like, oh, Alice in Wonderland. We should totally do that. We should totally do the Mad Tea Party reading and talk about the books. And it's October of 2021 now. Yeah. And we started the outline. We were discussing this before. We started the outline when we had the, like, you know, impetus when in yeah. summer of 2020. So, like, some of this we wrote <laughs> year over a year ago, at least. Yep. Most of it, I would say. So, it was mm-hmm. fun. It was a fun trip down memory lane going back and going, did I write that? Did you write that? Who wrote mm-hmm. this? It could have been anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's... We love doing these. Um, as always, we got to work with some of our fantastic colleagues. Yes. Um, had a really fun recording session all together over, yeah. over Zoom. But it was so fun. Yeah. This was the first time since uh, uh, Goblin Market that we've had a chance to all 
sit, I mean, I'll, I'll be at a digital room, but I'll sit together in a room um, all at the same time and do a full cast recording. Um, so I, as of right now, uh, super producer Andrew has, has not uh, uh, contacted us about any pickups. I feel <laughs> like I'm going to have some because I, I was so delighted by all of y'all's performances that as the narrator, like I had to pick up where you left off and sometimes I would still be laughing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. I mean, um, I played Alice and I I just got really into the role and I got really annoyed with a certain Ben Bolin <laughs> who's playing the Mad Hatter because he was always <laughs> like teasing me, pushing, like, would yeah. not just let me be. <laughs> I socks get into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Our, um, so, 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 right. So, so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, about Lewis Carroll and, uh, and how the book came about. And then we're going to do a reading of the Mad Tea mm-hmm. Party chapter. And, uh, then we're going to come back and discuss a little bit more about the impact of the book, um, and all of that fun stuff. And, uh, yes, but, but you do have to look forward to, um, in our reading, uh, right, uh, Annie Reese as, as Alice, Ben Bolin as the Mad Hatter, super producer Dylan Fagan as the March Hare, and, uh, not, not a saver super producer, but a friend of the show and, uh, super producer, around iHeart at large, um, Miranda Hawkins as the Dormouse. Um, and I'm narrating, and we all have, we all just had a real nice time doing it. We did. It was a real delight. Um, everybody brought their A-game for sure. Oh, my heck, um, they did. Yes. So you have that to look forward to. Um, I will say, for me, I have read the books, but only like once, maybe, um, Oh wow! The Disney huh. version, the Disney version of Alice in Wonderland scared the hell out of me as a kid, and I rewatched <laughs> it for this, and I thought it was really funny. Oh I, yeah, I was laughing out loud. Oh, that's great! <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you rewatched it because I feel like this has been like a little bit of a shadow over you for a while. Like it, you yes. found you found it so frightening as a child. I did. It terrified me. That caterpillar terrified yeah. me. The whole oyster thing. Sure. Oh my goodness. Oh, off with her head. The red color yeah. freaked me. Like I can still remember, but I did enjoy it rewatching it, and it did make me laugh. Um, one scene in particular made me really laugh. But um, <laughs> I also, when we did the reading, I dug up this old T-shirt that I won. That has the Mad Hatter on it. I believe it was from Mellow Mushroom. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but I won it for for an acting role I did in a vampire horror short called Insatiable, which I think I've talked about before. <laughs> but uh, it's one of my best trophies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. awesome. Yes, and I love the um, sculpture in Central Park, the uh, Alice oh, in Wonderland sculpture. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I I I probably read the books. I've probably read the books, um, I, I would say, upwards of a dozen times, at l- probably more like two dozen plus times over the course of my life. I was really into them as a kid. Um, they, they were pretty formative for me in terms of like, of like humor and surrealism um, and, uh, and language. So, yeah. Also, I, yeah, so I, was, I reread them again, like a year ago when we first started talking about this. And the first book talks so much about food, like all of the food all the time. 
Um, so I am so glad that we're getting to do this one as a uh, as a food fairy tale. It's not exactly a fairy tale, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's within yeah. within within the uh, genre ish. I would say so. It's got a lot of similar themes going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that brings us to our question. Sure. Alice in Wonderland. What is it? Well, um, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There are two short children's novels about a girl named Alice who has some real wacky adventures, um, which may or may not be dreams, um, involving fantastic anthropomorphic animals and snarky plants and strange royals, a game of chess the size of a whole kingdom, uh, and food and drink that are not always what they seem. They were written uh, by pen name Lewis Carroll, uh, which is the most widely known pseudonym for Charles Lutwidge Dodgson, who published Alice's Adventures in Wonderland in 1865 when he was 33 years old. Dodgson was born in 1832, the third of 11 children um, of his mother, Frances Jane Lutwidge, and his father, Charles Dodgson, um, who was the archdeacon of a small parish of Darisbury, which is a village near Liverpool in northern England. And uh, Dodgson started writing as a child. Um, at the age of 13, he put out a family magazine, and family magazines are this fascinating bit of Victorian middle-class ephemera. Um, they, they were generally these, these handwritten and hand-illustrated booklets or, or periodicals created by well-off kids and young adults to entertain themselves and their siblings. And so even at that age, he was writing a lot and would produce just a bunch of magazines like this over the next few years with stuff like poetry about the frustrating restrictions and expectations of society, there were some biological essays about fairies in there. Um, <laughs> very, very Lewis Carroll-y kind of stuff. Um, a teacher of his, one Mr. Tate, apparently once told Dodgson's father that he was uh, given to, quote, creativity in replacing the inflections of nouns and verbs as detailed in our grammars, um, which apparently Mr. Tate assured the father that that Dodgson would outgrow. <laughs> I I don't think. No. I don't think that's what happened. Nope, me either. <laughs> <laughs> he would go to school at Christchurch, Oxford, um, and in 1851, he had the opportunity to visit the first World's Fair in London um, called the Great Exhibition. It was uh, this international celebration of industry and science and art and design, Around the same time, he became deeply interested in photography. He had received a Master of Arts in 1857 and become a member of the clergy in 1861, a deacon, um, and made his living lecturing, um, tutoring, and writing, um, both in literature and mathematics. He would write 11 books on mathematics over the course of his career starting in 1860. He never became a priest, which was unusual for that, that, that place and time and career path. Um, he apparently petitioned the dean to remain a deacon. Historians think that he didn't agree with, with some of the church doctrine at the time, although he was himself uh, deeply religious. Um, he was just a bit more progressive, perhaps, than than the church was. Like, he really liked going to the theater. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Scandalous. <laughs> yes. Um, 
and, uh, and and he embraced some like broader ideas of salvation than were really being preached at the time. As a human person, he's said to have been self-effacing. Um, he had a stutter and was deaf in one ear and had this persistent difficulty with lung capacity from having had whooping cough as a teen. Um, but historians seem to think that he was um, like private more than particularly shy. Uh, he never married, which was required of clergy at Christ Church at the time. And he did not like publishing under his own name. Um, even as a kid in family magazines, he used pseudonyms. Um, the first publication under Lewis Carroll was in 1856, attached to a dramatic poem. And supposedly he got the name by um, translating his names, um, Lutwidge and Charles, into Latin and then back into English. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Lutwidge, <laughs> Charles, Lewis Carol, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, too, wanted to publish under a pen name. Yeah. And it was, well, I had August Wind, my fan fiction name, of course. Of course. Um, but they, <laughs> I wanted to go with Plum Pickens, and I don't know why, what I thought I could pull off with Plum Pickens. But <laughs> Me neither. That's, that's I... I was into. <laughs> I mean, I find it delightful, though. <laughs> I feel like it's a very... Plum Pickens sounds like a children's author, which, you know, is fine, but that wasn't what I was intending to write, so... Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's a very, a, like... It's a little... Yeah. Like, 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 Lemony Snicket, kind of yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can, I'm trying to remember my friend. My friend had a, a similar pen name. We were all, like, fruit-based pen <laughs> names. <laughs> Okay. Um, but yeah, mine was Plum Pickens. Yeah. Not as official sounding as Lewis Carroll. But, you know. It depends on what kind of office you're running for. <laughs> I suppose that's true. <laughs> um, well, Lauren, <laughs> what about the plot of these books? Uh, is, there, is there a plot? Um <laughs> Uh, I guess, I guess, um, in, in the first book, Alice, uh, in Wonderland or Alice's Adventures in Wonderland more properly, you're dealing with the main character, uh, Alice, who is a young girl who falls down a rabbit hole and finds a bunch of weird stuff. There's this garden that she wants to get into and eventually she gets into it and then she doesn't get beheaded. And then it might have all been a dream. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. And then in the second book, uh, she's hanging out with her cat and mm. decides to climb through a mirror. And mm. then she plays like a really big game of chess and becomes a queen. And then it might have been a dream. <laughs> but was it her dream or was it the cat's dream? Ooh. Twist. Ooh. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah, the cat in question, Dinah, just does not respond to this line of questioning, so. Suspicious, perhaps. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> If 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 this doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense, A, it doesn't. That's not really the point. Um, B, <laughs> go, go out and read them or find a filmic uh, 
a translation of them or yeah they're 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 fun um they are they are meant to be fun which is kind of or was at the time uh, a kind of a departure from a lot of children's literature like most kids books at the time were instructive not fun right and this was one of the early breaks in that right so but um but we're going to get into all of that um how the book itself came about and how it was received after we read a little bit of the book for you yes 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 but before we get into that which i'm telling you it's gonna be great (laughs) we're gonna get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we are back with our reading of The Mad Tea Party chapter from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. There was a table set out under a tree in front of the house, and the March Hare and the Hatter were having tea at it. A dormouse was sitting between them, fast asleep and the other two were using it as a cushion, resting their elbows on it and talking over its head. Very uncomfortable for the dormouse, thought Alice. Only as it's asleep, I suppose it doesn't mind. The table was a large one, but the three were all crowded together at one corner of it. No room! No room! No room! No room! They cried out when they saw Alice coming. There's plenty of room, said Alice indignantly, and she sat down in a large armchair at one end of the table. Have some wine, 
the March Hare said in an encouraging tone. Alice looked all around the table, but there was nothing on it but tea. I don't see any wine, she remarked. There isn't any, said the March Hare. Then it wasn't very civil of you to offer it, said Alice angrily. It wasn't very civil of you to sit down without being invited, said the March Hare. I didn't know it was your table, said Alice. It's laid for a great many more than three. Your hair wants cutting, said the Hatter. He had been looking at Alice for some time with great curiosity, and this was his first speech. You should learn not to make personal remarks, Alice said with some severity. It's very rude. The Hatter opened his eyes very wide on hearing this, but all he said was, Why is a raven like a writing desk? Come, we shall have some fun now, thought Alice. I'm glad they've begun asking riddles. I believe I can guess that, she added aloud. Do you mean you think you can find out the answer to it? Said the March Hare. Exactly so, said Alice. Then you should say what you mean. The March Hare went on. I do, Alice hastily replied. At least, at least I mean what I say. That's the same thing, you know. Not the same thing a bit. You might just as well say that I see what I eat is the same thing as I eat what I see. You might just as well say, added the March Hare, that I like what I get is the same thing as I get what I like. You might as well just say, added the Dormouse, who seemed to be talking in his sleep, that I breathe when I sleep is the same thing as I sleep when I breathe. Well, it is the same thing with you, said the Hatter, and here the conversation dropped, and the party sat silent for a minute while Alice thought over all she could remember about ravens and writing desks, which wasn't much. The Hatter was the first to break the silence. What day of the month is it? He said, turning to Alice. He had taken his watch out of his pocket and was looking at it uneasily, shaking it every now and then and holding it to his ear. Alice considered a little and then said, The fourth. Two days wrong, sighed the Hatter. I told you butter wouldn't suit the works, he added, looking angrily at the March Hare. It was the best butter, the March Hare meekly replied. Yes, but some crumbs must have got in as well, the Hatter grumbled. You shouldn't have put it in with the bread knife. The March Hare took the watch and looked at it gloomily. Then he dipped it into his cup of tea and looked at it again, but he could think of nothing better to say than his first remark. It was the best butter, you know. Alice had been looking over his shoulder with some curiosity. What a funny watch, she remarked. It tells the day of the month and doesn't tell what o'clock it is. Why should it? muttered the Hatter. Does your watch tell you what year it is? Of course not, Alice replied very readily. But that's because it stays the same year for such a long time together. Which is just the case with mine, said the Hatter. Alice felt dreadfully puzzled. The Hatter's remark seemed to have no sort of meaning in it, and yet it was certainly English. I don't quite understand you, she said as politely as she could. Well, the Dormouse is asleep again, said the Hatter, and he poured a little hot tea upon its nose. The Dormouse shook its head impatiently and said, without opening its eyes, Of course, of course, just what I was going to remark myself. 
Have you guessed the riddle yet? The Hatter said, turning to Alice again. No, I give it up, Alice replied. What's the answer? I haven't the slightest idea, said the Hatter. Nor I, said the March Hare. Alice sighed wearily. I think you might do something better with the time, she said, than wasting it in asking riddles that have no answers. If you knew time as well as I do, said the Hatter, you wouldn't talk about wasting it. It's him. I don't know what you mean, said Alice. Of course you don't, the Hatter said, tossing his head contemptuously. I dare say you've never even spoke to time. Perhaps not, Alice cautiously replied. But I know I have to beat time when I learn music. Aha! That accounts for it. He won't stand beating. Now, if you only kept on good terms with him, he'd do almost anything you liked with the clock. Uh, For instance, suppose it were nine o'clock in the morning, just time to begin lessons. You'd only have to whisper a hint to time, and round goes the clock in a twinkling. Half past one. Time for dinner. I only wish it was, the March Hare said to itself in a whisper. That would be grand, certainly, said Alice thoughtfully. But then, I shouldn't be hungry for it, you know. Not at first, perhaps, said the Hatter. But... You could keep it to half-past one as long as you liked. Is that the way you manage? Alice asked. The Hatter shook his head mournfully. Not I, he replied. We quarreled last March, just before he went mad, you know. Pointing with his teaspoon at the March Hare. It was at the great concert given by the Queen of Hearts, and I had to sing, Twinkle, twinkle, little bat, how I wonder where you are at. You know the song, perhaps? I've heard something like it, said Alice. It goes on, you know, in this way. Hop above the world you fly, like a tea tray in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle. Here the Dormouse shook itself and began singing in its sleep. Twinkle, 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 twinkle. And went on so long that they had to pinch it to make it stop. Well, I'd hardly finished the first verse when the queen jumped up and bawled out, He's murdering the time! Off with his head! How dreadfully savage! exclaimed Alice. And ever since that, the hatter went on in a mournful tone, He won't do a thing I ask. It's always six o'clock now. A bright idea came into Alice's head. Is that the reason so many tea things are put out here? She asked. Yes, that's it, said the Hatter with a sigh. It's always tea time, and we've no time to wash the things between whiles. Then you keep moving round, I suppose, said Alice. Exactly so, said the Hatter, as the things get used up. But what happens when you come to the beginning again? Alice ventured to ask. Suppose we change the subject. And the March Hare interrupted, yawning. I'm getting tired of this. I vote the young lady tells us a story. I'm afraid I don't know one, said Alice, rather alarmed at the proposal. Then the the door door shall, they both cried. 
Wake, Wake up, up Dormouse! And they pinched it on both sides at once. The Dormouse slowly opened his eyes. I wasn't asleep, he said in a hoarse, feeble voice. I heard every word you fellows were saying. T Tell us a story, said the March Hare. Yes, please do, pleaded Alice. And be quick about it, added the Hatter. Or you'll be asleep again before it's done. Once upon a time, there were three little sisters. And the Dormouse began in a great hurry. And their names were Elsie, Lacey, and Tilly. And they lived at the bottom of a well. What did they live on? Said Alice, who always took a great interest in questions of eating and drinking. They lived on... Treacle. Said the Dormouse, after thinking a minute or two. They couldn't have done that, you know. Alice gently remarked. They'd have been ill. So they were, said the Dormouse. Very ill. Alice tried to fancy to herself what such an extraordinary ways of living would be like, but it puzzled her too much, so she went on. But why did they live at the bottom of a well? T take some more tea, the March Hare said to Alice very earnestly. I've had nothing yet, Alice replied in an offended tone, so I can't take more. You mean you can't take less, said the Hatter. It's very easy to take more than nothing. Nobody asked your opinion. And who's making personal remarks now? The Hatter asked triumphantly. Alice did not quite know what to say to this, so she helped herself to some tea and bread and butter, and then turned to the Dormouse and repeated her question. Why did they live at the bottom of a well? The Dormouse again took a minute or two to think about it, and then said, It was a treacle well. There's no such thing! Alice was beginning very angrily, but the Hatter and the March Hare went, <laughs> And the Dormouse sulkily remarked, If you can't be civil, you'd better finish the story for yourself. No, please go on, Alice said very humbly. I won't interrupt again. I dare say there may be one. One indeed, said the Dormouse indignantly. However, he consented to go on. And so these three little sisters, they were learning to draw, you know? What did they draw? Said Alice, quite forgetting her promise. Treacle, said the Dormouse, without considering it at all this time. I want a clean cup, interrupted the Hatter. Let's all move one place on. He moved on as he spoke, and the Dormouse followed him. The March Hare moved into the Dormouse's place, and Alice, rather unwillingly, took the place of the March Hare. The Hatter was the only one who got any advantage from the change, and Alice was a good deal worse off than before, as the March Hare had just upset the milk jug onto his plate. Alice did not wish to offend the Dormouse again, so she began very cautiously. But I don't understand. Where did they draw the treacle from? You can draw water out of a water well, said the Hatter. So I should think you could draw a treacle out of a treacle well, huh? Stupid. But they were in the well, Alice said to the Dormouse, not choosing to notice this last remark. Of course they were, said the Dormouse. Well in. This answer so confused poor Alice that she let the Dormouse go on for some time without interrupting it. They were learning to draw, 
The Dormouse went on, yawning and rubbing its eyes, for it was getting very sleepy. And they drew all manner of things, everything that begins with an M. Why with an M? said Alice. Why not? said the March Hare. Alice was silent. The Dormouse had closed its eyes by this time and was going off into a doze, but on being pinched by the Hatter, it woke up again with a little shriek and went on. That begins with an M, such as mousetraps and the moon and memory and muchness. You know you say things are much of a muchness. Did you ever see such a thing as a drawing of a muchness? Really, now you ask me, said Alice, very much confused. I don't think... Then you shouldn't talk, said the Hatter. This piece of rudeness was more than Alice could bear. She got up in great disgust and walked off. The Dormouse fell asleep instantly, and neither of the others took the least notice of her going, though she looked back once or twice, half hoping they would call after her. The last time she saw them, they were trying to put the Dormouse into the teapot. At any rate, I'll never go there again, said Alice as she picked her way through the wood. It's the stupidest tea party I ever was at in all my life. Just as she said this, she noticed that one of the trees had a door leading right into it. That's very curious, she thought. But everything's curious today. I think I may as well go in at once. And in she went. That brings us to the end of our reading. Um, We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing it, which was a lot. (laughs) So much. Yes. Um, Even though I'm like, again, getting a little annoyed. A Ben Bolin slash the Mad Hatter. <laughs> wow. I like this. I like this beef. I know. I Well, I was in my role and he was in his. We did our parts. We did our parts. But this is what the price of art is. I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but we did want to, yeah, discuss the book and the impact that it had. But first, uh, we are going to get into one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. 
Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. All right, so let's let's talk about the history of how these books came to be and their impact now that we've heard kind of a sample sure. of, of what they sounded like. Um, so the Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass is based on Alice Hargreaves, formerly Alice Liddell. Her father was a classical scholar, and in 1856, he was appointed dean at Oxford. So he and his family moved into Christ Church. There they met and befriended Dodgson slash Lewis Carroll. The children liked him because of the strange, whimsical stories he told. One day in 1862, Dodgson, along with a friend of his, took three of the Liddell girls, um, there were 10 Liddell children, out in a rowboat for a picnic, and Dodgson told these stories along the way. And apparently one of these original stories survived in the first book as the caucus race um, uh, on the ocean of tears that, that Alice cries. Um, the, the sisters appeared as, as characters, uh, two as birds. Dodgson spun himself in as the dodo. And uh, the sort of protagonist was Alice. Yes. And one of the girls, 10-year-old Alice and yeah, that one <laughs> was so delighted by the adventures of a girl named Alice down the rabbit hole. She asked Dodgson to write them down, and Dodgson gave her a handwritten, hand-illustrated copy of Alice's Adventures Underground as a Christmas gift in 1864. Now, the Liddells and Dodgson had, for the most part, parted ways by 1863. Historians aren't sure the exact cause, and one of Dodgson's descendants cut out the page of his diary that might have explained why. So much of this story, I'm like, this sounds fictional. <laughs> right? Right? Gosh. So much intrigue. Um, yeah. Some speculate that Mrs. Liddell was uncomfortable with Dodgson's relationship with Alice. Because this took place during the Victorian era, it's hard to adequately know the motivations, thoughts, and beliefs of those involved. It's just like, like different standards. Yeah, there, there's there been a lot of speculation and, and research into all of this. And, uh, you know, the, the facts that we know are that Dodgson had a close friendship with Alice and that also he took artistic nude photographs of children who were not his children. Um, and that certainly would not fly today. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Mm -mm. um, but, uh, right, like like post the era of, of psychoanalysis, post like Freudian uh, thought, it's really difficult to go back and apply modern standards to what was going on in the Victorian era. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, 
But anyway, uh, Dachshund went on to beef up this story into Alice's adventures in Wonderland, in part thanks to the urging of an author friend of his, George MacDonald. And Alice's Adventures in Wonderland came out in 1865 under the pseudonym Lewis Carroll with illustrations by John Tenniel. Tenniel at the time was a prolific cartoonist for the magazine Punch and also did a lot of book illustrations. Um, He was commissioned by Dodgson to create 42 illustrations for the first Alice book starting in 1864. He was about 12 years older than Dodgson, um, and apparently they were both so similarly particular and, like, fastidious that their working relationship was pretty strained. Um, Of the 42 first drafts that Tenniel turned in, Dodgson liked one. (laughs) One. It was the one of Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) Everything else, he was like, maybe not. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, a quick quick note about those illustrations, and I'm I'm sure that you've seen them before. They are also low-key what um, the Disney character designs were based on. Tenniel drew from memory, not from models, which made his style really distinct um, from the pre-Raphaelites of his contemporary era, um, who were really into life modeling. Um, and and I think I think that that kind of cartoony from memory style added a lot to the fantastical or or surreal quality of his illustrations for Alice. Um, Dodgson once said, Mr. Tenniel is the only artist who has drawn for me who resolutely refused to use a model and declared he no more needed one than I should need a multiplication table to work a mathematical problem. Wow. (laughs) I like imagining this argument. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> Tenniel, for his part, dubbed Dodgson, quote, impossible. Ooh. And after these two books were over, he never took another illustration project again. Oh, wow. <laughs> he um, he was knighted, though, for his work both in Punch Magazine and on the Alice books. Uh, he <laughs> lived to the age of 93. Like 1914, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, went through all that stress and still yeah. got a knighthood <laughs> and a long life out of it. Yeah, yeah. Or despite it, I guess. Um, <laughs> so these books, like you said, Lauren, they did break new ground in several ways. Um, perhaps one of the most significant is that it was written as entertainment for children just entertainment, not to teach them, which was kind of a rarity at the time. Yeah, it it was kind of right, right? Part of this movement that we've talked about before in discussing Hansel and Gretel and the Brothers Grimm of, right, making books for kids enjoyable. What? Um, <laughs> and I think that this is really related to both industrialization and romanticism, which were, in turn, putting kids into these new harsh forms of labor and also then enshrining them as innocents. Dodgson once wrote of children in a letter, their innocent unconsciousness is very beautiful and gives one a feeling of reverence as at the presence of something sacred. Yeah. Hmm. Um, And and the first book was well-received and it sold really well. And in 1866, Dodgson wrote to the publisher, Alexander Macmillan, that he had an idea 
or a sequel. Mm-hmm. In 1871, Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There came out. The first letters of one of the poems in Through the Looking Glass spell out the real Alice's full name, Alice Pleasance Liddell. Uh, yeah, that's the last poem in the book. It's sort of a sort of a dedication. Post-publishing, Dodge had said of Liddell, without whose infant patronage I might possibly never have written at all. He's also maintained the fictional Alice was never meant to be the real Alice, per se, like based on the real yeah. Alice. Yeah. Columbia University awarded Alice, the real one, <laughs> um, an honorary degree for, quote, Awaking with her girlhood's charms, the ingenious fancy of a mathematician familiar with imaginary quantities, stirring him to reveal his complete understanding of the heart of a child. In 1932, to much excitement, people were very excited about this. She died two years later. After her husband's death in 1926 um, and in need of money, she had auctioned off the original manuscript Dawson gave her in 1928 for an equivalent of $20,000. Who? Huh. Yes. Uh, nowadays, it's in the British Museum, though. Okay. I tried, this is like another, I almost went into this whole rabbit hole, which, ha ha, <laughs> um, that's where this comes from. <laughs> um, so all of this after Alice almost married Prince Leopold, Queen Victoria's youngest son. However, the queen insisted that Leopold marry royalty. Oh. Alice went on to marry a rich cricket player, but the couple named one of their sons Leopold, Prince Leopold named his daughter Alice. Aww. <laughs> However, Alice's sons, Leopold and Alan, were both killed during World War II, leaving her with only one surviving child, Carol. I'm telling you, this is like a fiction. It's, it's- right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, in- interesting, interesting note that I found was that Dodgson... I guess not surprising given the type of personality that it sounds like he was, but he maintained editorial control over the Alice books um, through his deal with the publisher in which he paid the upfront costs, including this one time that Tenniel came back after an initial printing and was like, these, these printings of my illustrations are, are crap. Mm -hmm. I don't want it. And Dodgson mm-hmm. was like, you know, okay, heck, we can reprint at my own personal cost. Um, but yeah, uh, so so he earned a 10% commission on the sales, but but maintained really strict editorial control. Um, the sales were good. By 1892, they had sold well over 100,000 copies. Um, he would publish some 300-plus written works during his life and a bunch of puzzles and games as well um, and invented a number of small contraptions, and would die in 1898 at the age of 65 um, from pneumonia, um, uh, complications brought on by a bout of influenza. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, his work did have a huge lasting cultural impact. Oh my goodness, yes. Yes, Uh, they've been published in at least 62 languages and they've never been out of print since they were first printed. The Alice books, yeah. Um, according to Oxford, the Alice books and, uh, along with another book that he wrote, um, The Hunting of the Snark, are the most quoted works in the English language after Shakespeare and the Bible. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is where Jabberwocky comes from, right? Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. <laughs> Got it. I see it. Yep. 
<laughs> and then that other thing, the time has come, the walrus says. That's yep. what I always get stuck in my head. The the walrus and the carpenter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was it was such a struggle trying to figure out what to what to do for what this reading. Read. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been dark. I mean, it is dark. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a dark food fairy tale. <laughs> Very appropriate for, for the Halloween season. But That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, that is essentially like a, a walrus tricking oysters into letting him eat all of them. Yeah. Well, and the carpenter helps. The walrus and the carpenter yes. both, yeah. you know, it's, so, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a chipper poem right up until the oyster... Right. Death. Right up until then, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, there's just been so many things inspired by these stories. Um, there's been stage plays. The Disney movie came out in 1951. And I believe, like, in a brief reading of that history, um, I think it was Disney himself was like, you know, this is my kids. Kids in his orbit loved it. We need to get it made. And there was huh. kind of a back and forth about getting it made. But he was like, no, it needs to happen. Dang. Um, Tim Burton took a swing at making film adaptions in 2010, the first in 2010, and then sequel in 2016. Um, apparently there's an animated spinoff about the Cheshire Cat in the works for Disney+. Plus. Uh, you got the Mad Party teacup ride kind of infamous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Jefferson Airplane song, White Rabbit, which just featured in the new Matrix trailer. Uh-huh, yep. <laughs> Yep, video games. Um, you've got Kingdom Hearts, where you can go to Wonderland as one of the worlds that you can visit. And then there's Alice Madness Returns, if you're looking for something much creepier. Um, yeah, yeah, in which a disturbed older Alice returns mm-hmm. to the terrifying dreamscape. Yes. <laughs> or is it? Or is it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, but then again, like sayings like following their white rabbit and going down the rabbit hole which did appear in The Matrix. Um, you've got Mad Hatterbot in Futurama. Yeah, um, there's a, a goodness. Um, uh, the recent classic that we did about um, about food in special effects uh, with, with a guest star, V. Kelly, V and I are talking at one point about a set that we were both on, and that set was for a, a, a series of short films or, or a short series I, I don't know called um called ask hatter and hair in which the mad hatter and the march hare give advice to people <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> just can... me getting mad at the mad hatter <laughs> <laughs> that's what it would be if i was involved <laughs> i i'm not gonna say that anyone should take their advice um but <laughs> But it's very entertaining advice, nonetheless. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Ask Catherine Hare. You can look for it on YouTube. Um, it's real weird. It's real weird. And I do not apologize for my part in it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, you know, like, it's, these stories are iconic. And and, and Dodgson himself has entered pop consciousness um, as in, uh, for example, this this character um, in the books and show The Magicians that's sort of a hybrid of Lewis Carroll and C.S. Lewis. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, briefly, uh, discussion of themes. <laughs> I think the big one is identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah, Alice spends a lot of time trying to figure out who she is and who she thinks she will be when she grows up. There's a lot of like discussion around sort of what Dodgson was writing when he was doing those family Victorian magazines of like all these rules and kind of chafing at them and not really getting them, but also wanting to be like an adult. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and right, and 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 manners, and and mm-hmm. all of all of those right, right restrictions that especially during the Victorian era were were very prevalent, and um, and and food is actually a really great way of demonstrating a lot of those. So, yes, yes, um, and speaking of, I hadn't really thought about it this way, but I did read some people thought like maybe the growing and shrinking from mushrooms or like it was bread. Food um, <laughs> could be interpreted as puberty and literally growing up. Yeah. Um, yes, but uh, some do interpret some of these themes of identity and changing as being related to drug use, uh, the eating of mushrooms, the drinking of potions. Most researchers or historians don't think the work was fueled by drugs, rather that readers and viewers of the Disney film during the 1970s kind of impose these psychedelic themes and interpretations as a reflection of the time that they were in. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. In 1955, an English psychiatrist named John Todd discovered a rare neurological disease that causes hallucinations, particularly around the size of things that historians believe Dodgson might have had, huh. um, which would explain those recurrent themes. Todd called the disorder Alice in Wonderland Syndrome, a.k.a. Todd Syndrome. And yeah, it's 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 so interesting. Uh, you know, we 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 choose these readings for these episodes, at least partially based on the fact that the works are in the public domain. Yes, which means that they are not recent. Um, <laughs> which which means that we are talking about cultures that are that are fairly far removed from ours today. Mm-hmm. And it's always so interesting to me as as a writer and reader myself thinking about how works become so widespread, so enduringly popular. And uh, Dodgson himself apparently did some thinking about that. Um, he he once wrote, uh, not about, about Alice in particular, but about um, the hunting of the snark, which was, right, this, this, this epic, ridiculous poem, um, that he got some criticism for because people were like, this is nonsense. Is it anything but nonsense? And he was kind of like, words mean more than we mean to express when we use them. So a whole book ought to mean a great deal more than the writer meant. Ooh. That is interesting. <laughs> Which I think is just a great dodge, A. But, <laughs> yeah. but B, um... Yeah, just a just a really good sentiment about about the works that we create and um, how much um, the reader is a part of those works or the listener or, you know, whatever, whatever human who is interacting with it after the creator is done with it. Yeah, no, I I think that's that's really fascinating. And, uh, you know, you can't not bring your own experiences and um thoughts to something that you're interacting with in that way. Uh, and a lot of times I'm someone who is really interested as, as a person who does write or does like creative things. Like when someone interprets something I did completely differently 
Like, ooh. Yeah, right? <laughs> How right? interesting. Or oh. I love when like there's a like a bad ending for something. That's a whole tangent I could go on. But like fans will be like, well, I think it actually meant this. And as a creator, I'd probably be like, yes. <laughs> yes, that's what I meant. Sure. <laughs> <That's> interesting. <laughs> that other better thing that you thought of is definitely what it was meant to be. It's just, oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, and I love doing these episodes. So uh, I hope we get to do another one and not like a year and a half. Yes. Or whatever long yes. Sooner, sooner than that. Um, for yes. sure. Yes. <laughs> and listeners, um, you all have been so great with sending recommendations that are, mm-hmm. yes, in the public domain and maybe we haven't heard of. Or if you, I mean, something we have heard of. Um, so please keep those suggestions coming. What should be our next food fairy tale reading? Yes. You can email us at hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media and you can get in touch with us there. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park! Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.